Oh wait, we are already already running. Yeah, we, we don't are. have a countdown yeah, this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentle beings, the low. Uh, okay, this is this is just the show. Hi, welcome to Waiting for Review, the show for indie app developers and others in our amazing and very cool and very welcoming space. I'm Daniel. I write telemetry deck, and I'm joined by Dave, who is a someone who really has a lot of cool projects. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. I was hoping you would do that. Oh, my word. Daniel, we have had a bumpy start to recording the show this morning. Technology yeah. has uh, conspired against us slightly with uh, the, the service we use to record. Um, so I think that's definitely definitely spun us out just slightly. But uh, A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So you get like the you get like the blah, 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 uh, entry entry to the to the recording, yes. but yeah, I'm not touching my computer again. I'm <laughs> really hoping this is the the proper recording. I'm I'm just gonna watch the screen to see like the little green uh, bars going up and down and 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 see if I can see the show notes. But I'm not gonna touch yeah. anything. I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna leave it like don't touch it. Yeah, don't touch I'm not gonna move. I'm just in front of the microphone. Uh, the microphone is plugged in via my display, but that has worked mm. uh, for the last uh, uh, however many shows we did. So I don't actually think it's on our side. I think it was the service in the middle. All right, let's do it in the call. But uh, anyway, Daniel, just mm -hmm. before we started recording, you were on a bit of a high because some new Lego has been <laughs> announced, and you were ordering it. So my buddy Flo sent me this link. Hey, there's now a Perseverance Mars Rover Lego set, which is amazing because I've always been lusting after the Mars Rover Opportunity set, uh, which is an opportunity is the other Mars Rover that was sent to Mars, I want to say like 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and they look very similar, but the opportunity set, I didn't get to buy that when it came out and you can only buy it at collectors stores for like, I don't know, 600 bucks. And I'm not that rich. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now this comes out, it will, uh, it will be officially released on June one. And so I've decided to just, I'm going to buy this. <laughs> I'm going to buy this and, <laughs> Uh, just, just stick it on my, next to my space shuttle and my Saturn V and just, I just enjoy, enjoy looking at it. Excellent. I might join you on that. Um, it right. depends on whether I can find somewhere in New Zealand that's actually going to do a, a pre-order, but otherwise I'll just have to wait. Uh, we, we, we have very interesting distribution models for these sort of things. So because New Zealand's far away from everything. So. Right. It could even be a case of it's actually on the shelves right now somewhere here because sometimes they do that too. That we actually oh, get yeah, I can see of that. places. Yeah, maybe yeah. you have to actually need to go to a shelf, which yeah. is kind of inconvenient. It's not so inconvenient though. Sometimes it's fun, <laughs> <laughs> but then I walk out with more Lego than I intended to. Uh, oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I'm looking at our show notes, and as far as this show is concerned, this is the pre-dub-dub show, but it is. a number of things have happened in the last week or two for both of us with our respective projects, and I am really, really keen to dig into why in our show notes have you got NASA handbooks 
as a listing in there and what does that link to <laughs> right so uh i need to like take several steps back uh Recently, I finished working on the A-B testing capabilities of Telemetry Deck. Uh, as you, and like I've been working on those for a while. Like the the various puzzle pieces have been released um, bit by bit, and then in the end, it was just a matter of like putting everything together, giving it a reasonably nice user interface, so that uh, people don't have to study uh, statistics for three years to understand it, and then finding a way to represent how uh, the data should be represented in a way that you also don't need to have studied statistics to understand what the software is trying to tell you. Uh, so it's not telling you the p-value is, I don't know, something, something. It's telling you, we are reasonably sure that this is the case, like A is better or B is better. Yep. Um, but I did have to um, get my statistics knowledge up to a certain level to be able to to understand and build that feature, of course. Uh, and so I thought to myself, how about I hand in um, a talk about like the background concepts behind A-B testing to a conference that I've been, um, like before the pandemic, I, I almost went every year. That is uh, App Def Con in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, I have various friends in Amsterdam uh, and there is a community of developers in Amsterdam that's called Amsterdam. And okay. those are pretty cool. Um, they like try to try to incorporate app makers, like designers, developers, um, product people, all like all just together and, and give them like a nice ecosystem to thrive in. And it's all very, uh, very fun and very chill and kind of re very respectful. And that's really nice. So for a while, I actually had an Amsterdam satellite here in my home city of Augsburg that was called Absburg. <laughs> um, that doesn't exist anymore, but various maker spaces, hacker spaces, and game developer um, communities have actually grown out of that before we, we called it quiz because I wasn't able to, to, to do the organization anymore. Um, anyway, so I've decided to return to active conference life by going to this conference um, even though it was an in-person conference and that's not something that I've been doing um, but so I handed in, I handed in a talk about A-B testing and the concepts behind it um, and I wanted to I just wanted to, to go there and like talk, tell yeah. people about about this and it turns out because I've, I've done so much work on the A-B testing feature I was way behind on the talk <laughs> I, yeah, like usually my talks are finished about four weeks uh, before the conference and then I have time to polish them and like work on my pronunciation on, on my timing on the jokes and stuff like that and I didn't have any time for that I was just like I, I was finally finished with the, the text that I wanted to say and I needed some slides so I was like okay um, these are going to be some dry slides because I'm going to put some <laughs> Some formulas on there, some definitions, and um, what else? So I've I've, I've kind of been looking around, and and then I kind of thought one thing. One thing I I was kind of like like just browsing through my through my files, and just next to the directory where I like compile all the stuff for my talks is the directory where I just put random NASA 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 I don't know NASA <laughs> design stuff. Um, 
So I was like, oh, I'm just going to relax a tiny little bit and take a gander at that NASA stuff. And it was like the NASA design manual from the uh, 70s or 80s, I think, that when, when they had um, a phase where NASA was kind of trying to update and modernize all their graphic design. It was when, when kind of like the, the red squiggly worm logo, NASA logo was introduced. Yeah. And um, I love that style. It's all very sans serif. It's all very clean and nice. And I was clicking around and it had various like technical diagrams that were just like drawn in like this black, black thin pen on, on white paper, basically. And I was like, Hey, can I find more of those? Those would be pretty cool illustrations. So I set out, I asked around on Mastodon. I kind of Googled around. And in the end, with some helpful tips, I found a directory on the internet archive. Um, um, also the, 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 the people who also make the internet way back machine, their mission is kind of to, to arc, archive, archive, to, to archive all <laughs> to the, archive. um, all the, all the things that the internet would otherwise forget, right? And what they also have is like gigabytes and gigabytes of old NASA technical design documents, um, memos, uh, calculations, proposals, all kinds of stuff. And if you just browse to, through those, like most of them are pretty, like are pretty, pretty text heavy and, and, and boring, like from a visual perspective, at least. Um, but then like, it's just like, oh yeah, there's a paper on how to use atomic engines to get to Mars. And <laughs> you just, you just take a few of the drawings and it's like, nice. This is cool. This is, uh, like maybe it has, it even has like two different possibilities in a visual way next to each other. And it's like, oh yeah, this oh. is good. This is perfect because A, B, you know, um, so, uh, I started just going through these, um, to these technical documents and just, just screenshotting, just screenshotting or otherwise extracting the, the drawings that I really liked. And then I had about, I want to say a hundred, 150 screenshots in my folder. And then I just, every time I needed to illustrate a slide, I just looked through the folder and was like, okay, this is kind of close enough. Yeah. I'm going to just going to slap that on the, on the slide. <laughs> and. It worked perfectly. Like um, the slides do look very nice, awesome. um, because our um, like I kind of use the the telemetry deck uh, brand font, which is Inter, which is an open source font. It's very it's very very similar to Arial or Helvetica, so it looks very at home with these drawings as well. Yeah. And I colored, I colored my text. I colored that, uh, the, the telemetry deck orange. And that's kind of like kind of reddish as is the NASA red. So it all felt very spacey and very designy and it felt pretty yeah. good. Well, that's cool. Um, the only, <laughs> the only thing was I arrived at that conference and usually I also like scope out what is the, the room like in which I'm presenting? Like, is it a, auditorium is it um a just like just a small small room where someone put a projector um so maybe i can like an i can adapt or something like that it turns out and i didn't know this in advance or i think i knew but i didn't like realize um this conference was taking part in a cinema <laughs> and my slides every single one of my slides was like bright white oh and cinema projectors, it turns out, are very powerful. 
<laughs> so not only could, were, 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 was my, were my slides kind of seared into people's retinas, but also I could see the entire audience. Um, there was like not a single gesture or movement that was hidden from me because like the, there was so much splashback from the, uh, from the display back onto people, right? Oh um, my word. So you had like a, an atomic slide going on with your, yeah. your... <laughs> <laughs> so in the beginning i was like the first talk of in that room and so in the beginning one of the organizers came to me and was like hey there's a tiny problem uh we uh we, we neither have a screen the screen is not working and also the sound is not working so the microphones um so i was like okay maybe we can wait a little bit and yep. in the end, they made they managed to get the screen to work, but they never managed to get the microphones to work. At least not while I, while, while we were waiting for my talk. So uh, we decided to go ahead, and I was I would just speak a bit louder. the 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 audio or the the way the sound was traveling in that room was actually pretty good. Yeah. So um, it worked out. People could hear me, but that means that there's actually no actual recording. I just have a few photos. Oh, dang and it. Um, I think I'm going to just make that talk into a blog post. I actually started, starting writing, writing that. I just don't know yet how to integrate all these, um, all these technical drawings into the blog post. Um, it's not that deep. So it just gives you like a, an, an overview over like how to conduct A-B tests. Like what are the words? Like what are the ways you calculate stuff? Yeah. Um, so don't, but, but yeah, so, um, I think the blog post is going to be pretty cool. I also have the slides online and I'm going to, uh, I've dropped the, the link to that in the show notes. There's like one PDF with just the slides and one PDF with the slides and my notes. So if you look yeah. at those, you can actually get something from that. If that's too annoying to you, then wait until the blog post drops. I will like publish that within, I want to say like a, a week or two, maybe. Looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a shame that the recording didn't, didn't happen as it were, but yeah, uh, yeah, but and, it was and, a unique live experience. It just <laughs> yes. had to be there, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm just wondering, um, is it a presentation that you would give again? Is, is this a, um, one? That yeah, probably. Done? Um, it turns out that, um, I had like in the last, in uh, like, one or two days before I actually gave the presentation, I actually removed a lot of content from it um, because I thought, oh, this is maybe going too deep or yeah. this is too complicated or this is just taking too much time. And then it turns out, because usually I know these things like way in advance because I prepare and prepare and prepare. And this time it was, um, it turned out like, hey, I have another 10 minutes. Like I realized about five minutes before the end of the presentation, like there is more time. So... Uh, I kind of took a detour into, um, like I didn't have the backup slides ready, but I just like talked about a few, at, um, deeper like examples and a few, a few more, more complicated concepts, uh, that were kind of the most interesting to me. And that kind of went well. Like I am apparently a good enough public speaker now that I can do this, even That's though awesome. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but, so, but yeah, so, um, if I were to hand it in for a conference again, I would probably dig out those uh, skipped slides 
and yeah. um, in, incorporate those uh, more complex um, con, con, more con, more con, uh, I forgot how to <laughs> did I just tell you I'm a good public speaker I was I was wrong <laughs> You're also um, a public speaker who moves between <laughs> different languages, so I think uh, I'll cut you some. Ah, bonjour, bonjour. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, if I dig those out again, then it will have way more content. So I don't mind releasing those slides now, and then if you ever see this at a conference, there will be even more content. Awesome. Yeah. How how was the rest of the con as well? It sounds like a good time. It was very nice. It was just. Uh, it was just a little bit stressful for me because um, I am still afraid of catching COVID. So I was very careful mm-hmm. uh, of um, just of just my personal hygiene, of uh, masking indoors, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it was really nice to see all my friends again and just to be in a different city. Yes. And um, just meeting up um, and talking in person with people about uh, nerdy topics. I... I brought about a hundred telemetry deck pins and mm-hmm. I left with 30. So those were, those were really a hit. So I guess I need to order more. <laughs> you do. Um, yeah, the other talks were really nice. Um, the, the cinema was actually a pretty great idea because you could just like chill in those seats, you know, like normal conference seats are usually yeah. like a, a very hard, very upright, um, wooden chair or something like that and mm-hmm. here you could just like recline and maybe maybe like you'd have a drink or something and it's like watch the presentation on this huge high quality screen that is very well visible from everywhere in the room that's cool and so yeah it was pretty nice and the the quality of the presentation was very very high um and oh yeah i actually did record another podcast there they wanted to they asked like hey you're you have a you have a podcast right like one of the organizers and i was like um yeah i do and they were like hey um like we are recording various people like we're interviewing various people um and so you're kind of used to speaking into a microphone do you want to be interviewed and i'm like yeah okay i thought they wanted to ask me like three questions but we have like we recorded like a one and a half hour podcast or something (laughs) in their (laughs) on on location podcast studio kind of uh, so awesome. that, that was really fun. I'm sorry I cheated on you, uh, no, 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 but no, I did. Forget. I did plug plug us of us of course. Um, yeah. I don't know when it comes out. They wanted to kind of release it on their website, so appdefcon.nl. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So and I, well, I, the audio recording did work for that one, so that's good. Well, that's really good, and we're, obviously we'll link appdefcon.nl um, in the show notes if anybody wants to just click through from their their podcast app. Um, and hopefully by the time this goes live, that uh, podcast will be somewhere available on their site. Yeah, let's hope so. I, I would open my browser and look at it, but <laughs> I'm not touching my computer. I am. I am sticking to that. Things seem to be working right now. I don't want to. I don't want to like destroy anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Speaking of destroying something, you recently sent me a video clip of you uh, destroying the sound. Um, no, because the sound was pretty, pretty cool, actually. Like you were VJing and what was special about that? Okay. Okay. So I wasn't quite destroying. I was definitely getting into my, my you were shredding. Yes. I was shredding. I was tearing it up. Um, no. So 
let's take a step back. Let me explain. So my video mixing app, for anybody who hasn't heard me sort of wax lyrical about it on previous shows, is it is a two-channel real-time video mixer. Uh, so you can have a video in side A and a video in side B, and you can crossfade between the two and add effects. And that mixed output is then full screened on whatever external display is connected. So AirPlay or via dongle or whatever. Uh, and this, this gets used, the use case for this, if you like, is for a backdrop for a DJ or a band, typically. So you've got some sort of show going on. And people use this um, as well with like um, YouTube shows and that sort of thing as well. There's a whole angle there. Uh, But typically it's for mixing video uh, to get it in sync with whatever music is playing. And and the VJ does that. That's the VJ's job um, is, is to select from different, clips of video and find different effects and make it all come together and, and you know, look nice and audio reactive and, 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 you know, in sync with the music. Right. So that's a very, uh, rambling explanation of what VJing is, but, uh, go VJ has been out since 2015, I think August, September, 2015, I launched it, uh, and was in development for a, probably over a year beforehand as I was sort of learning all everything I needed to learn to make it work. Oh, well, you're going to, uh, you're going to celebrate 10 years of go VJ at some point. Yeah. yeah Not many apps wait. can say that. It's kind of crazy. I'll probably wait until the, uh, until 2025 and the 10 year anniversary mm-hmm. of its launch. Cause that's a nice, relatively specific date. Uh, but one thing I have wanted since the start is MIDI support. And you probably think MIDI, okay, I thought that was just about keyboards, if you know anything about it at all, you know, <laughs> <laughs> triggering synthesizers and and, and, and and that sort of thing. But it's a whole protocol, and it is a protocol for hardware controllers to connect to computers or other devices um, and control them based around making music. So you've got notes, uh, a one form of trigger that are very specifically tagged with, um, you know, what note they are that's being played. Um, and you have what end up, um, it ends up being just described as CC values. I guess that's like, um, it essentially just means control signals that are um, typically controlled by sliders or by, turny dials on whatever hard hardware control you've got. And you notice I'm using very technical terms here, but hopefully people get the picture. So knobs. Yeah. 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 There you go. Knobs. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you've ever seen a, a DJ controlling loads of stuff, you know, it's similar to that sort of thing is it's typically as a VJ, you've got a computer or in my case, uh, an iPhone with the the UI of the the video mixing app and you connect a controller and it's got turning dials, knobs, sliders, note triggers that are typically, you know, like a grid of buttons or whatever. And from that control station, they then trigger everything they need to be across in the VJ app. So MIDI controllers really open uh, the, the sort of fluidity of control that you need up. 
So I've done my best over the years to sort of get the UI down to, to what it needs to be to play with. Uh, but MIDI support, like I say, opens this up to more of a performance uh, and, and it's a lot of fun when you have it working. So mm-hmm. the video you described at the beginning was me celebrating that I have just connected MIDI support up into GoVJ. And I was able to control various aspects of how it works with sliders and knobs um, and uh, start performing with it in that way. And like I say, this has been sort of a, a, not quite a holy grail, but definitely a a long-term target. Uh, And it's now working. Fantastic. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this before but um i i decided that one open source project just wasn't enough for me yeah <laughs> my other one being the the sdk for mastodon that i've worked with uh, my friend constantine on over the last few months uh but i i took a step back okay from this whole development of midi stuff because i thought Oh my god, the, the the video engine and everything inside of GoVJ is reasonably complex. I really don't want all of this extra code kind of jammed in and and uh, yeah, jammed in and and, and kind mm-hmm. of bulking out what I've got in there. And then it's another consideration, and it means it's another round of testing and this that, and the other. Um, and I took a step back and I was like, well, what am I actually trying to achieve here? And essentially, if you think about what a controller like that does, is it's triggering an event on the app side. Yeah, I press a button, Mm -hmm. it needs Mm -hmm. to now go and execute some code or update a value or do something, right? Uh, So I've created an open source library, which I'll link in the show notes, uh, called TriggerKit. And yeah, TriggerKit is exactly that. You parachute it into your app, you end up with a controller sort of bus object that um, you register events with. And you say, okay, when when this note is played or this control signal is received, um, I want to execute this blob of code. So you give it a callback, essentially. Uh, and then the bus object handles all the routing and goes, okay, have I received this signal? Yes, I have. Brilliant. I'm going to execute this block of code. Uh, and um, that then means I can add this package into my VJ app uh, and then connect in the, the video engine manager that I've got as well um, to these to, to set it up so that this is just sort of short blocks of code that get registered that trigger um, whenever one of these events happen, but it's not embedded inside the video engine. Right. It's it, it's basically acting as a virtual person, um, you know, touching the UI and triggering these things effectively. So trigger kit, can I compare it to like a message queue of some sort or, or like something similar? Uh, it's more like, um, I want to say a state machine, but it's not quite. So I end up with a, um, a dictionary of all these events. And then as the MIDI events are received, I, I filter through that dictionary and go, okay, what matches? Mm-hmm. Um, and then kick it off and execute it. So I'm not sure it's quite the same as a message queue as such, but um, it's the recipient of MIDI messages 
and then it looks through its directory to sort of go, okay, this belongs to you. You're going to get this this um, update, and that block of code will then be triggered and receive the payload. That's pretty cool. And um, follow up question: Is this is, is Trigger Kit only for working with MIDI? No, or no. is it more uh, abstract? It's slightly more abstract. So it sits on top of a really cool library called MIDI Kit. Um, and MIDI Kit does most of the grunt work of actually connecting to core MIDI um, and any like, because you've got um, USB MIDI devices that can connect to, to a, um, an iPad or an iPhone through whatever dongle or, or USB C. Um, and then you also have Bluetooth MIDI, which um, is sort of handled more by the system. Um, mm-hmm. But MIDI Kit sort of does all that bit. And then Trigger Kit sits on top. And the plan for Trigger Kit is that it won't only be MIDI. Um, it could be any sort of protocol or connection or control that wants to trigger an event. So it's only MIDI at the moment. But the plan is to extend it out so that it is also um, like gamepad controllers. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's a protocol a protocol that kind of tried to replace MIDI but didn't really succeed in that, but is still very useful, um, called Open Sound Control, which is a network-based protocol. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I'm going to wrap those things up. There'll be an enum. It's, it's VJ over signals. IP. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's control signals over IP, essentially. <laughs> and there's there's all sorts of plugins and apps and things that support OSC. So that's that's on the list as well. Uh but essentially, my event types are an enumeration. At the moment, there are mm-hmm. MIDI CC and MIDI note enums in there. There will eventually be corresponding ones for these other things. Pretty nice. Um, <laughs> and um, like, I'm I'm confused because usually when you tell me something, I'm like, oh yeah, I have a, a pretty clear image of what it looks like and especially yeah. what it's used for in my mind. And with that, I'm like, yes, can anyone except someone else who's doing a music or VJ app actually use this force for sensible things? Or is it more like a use or useful for just music people and video people? It's pretty niche to be fair. But if you had... Any scenario where you were like, um, okay, I've got this controller and I want to just make things happen, mm-hmm. uh, this this is where Trigger Kit would step in. And so it might not be a practical thing, but if you're sort of a, a musician or a DJ, somebody who has these controllers, um, they game developer, yeah, exactly. You could, I could envision somebody doing this to say control home automation, for example, if you wanted to have mm-hmm. some sort of you know, control interface on your desk where you can just slide things up and down for lights or whatever, you could use it as a bridge for that. Um, There'd be be a lot more to it than that, but Trigger Kit would be the bit where you would then go, okay, I want to register these controls with this action and then go and do whatever you needed to do to to, um, control connected devices, for example. So, yeah, it's niche. It serves my needs very, very well. Uh, but it could also be a springboard for other people to sort of use these this hardware control for doing software things. And, uh, Fantastic! Yeah. I, so I'm, is I'm that stoked. is that available on the on the internet? It is. It is. So I can I'll link it all up. But it's just GitHub.com/slash Lightbeam Apps/slash Trigger Kit. 
And, Amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pull requests. And, and is there, is, but is it, is it released in um, GovJ? It's not yet. So oh, I'm okay. hoping by the time this goes out, I'll be further along with it. But it turns out there are an awful lot of things that, um, need to be coded to go and make each individual event work so oh yeah see yeah yeah i i made a a spreadsheet because that's just who i am i guess um <laughs> of um all the event types that i wanted the, the app to do and uh there's quite a few i'm trying mm-hmm. to sort of keep it sensible uh but some of it's required writing a little bit of new code to go and actually make that work and then the other side of this is is that even when all the midi events are working and i've got the ui for con- for setting that up and you know configuring your controller or doing what you need to do uh the app isn't reactive in the ui to everything uh because it never had to consider this and so for example, if you crossfade from A to B, there's a slider in the UI that, that, that mm-hmm. the user can control that with. And if you've then controlled it with the MIDI device, the slider on the screen stays put and doesn't go anywhere. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I've, I've got a bunch of extra coding to do to sort of make it really pop, really come together. Uh, I'll have a beta out as soon as everything's all mapped and people can play with that. Uh, but there's probably you know, about as much work again to then go and make sure all the UI is doing everything it should in every scenario. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I think there's a there's a couple of corners I can cut and not do this time and then update a bit later on. And uh, so I will be. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we're sort of two or three weeks away at the moment, end of May, beginning of June. Um on our time when we're recording. So hopefully by the end of June, it's out. But Fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to have a, we're going to have like a, a huge, um, marketing push, right? I think so. I think so. I'm, I'm once I've got everything all mapped up, I'm basically going to go out there and start recruiting beta testers for it because I've got three MIDI controllers here. There are so many different ones out there mm-hmm. and so many different ways that they can probably expose me to things going wrong because of that uh that i'll definitely be recruiting anybody and everybody who can give it a go uh to, to testing it out but i accept of course, it's kind of niche yeah if you so if you have any midi compatible device talk to dave to get on the on the beta i'm also yep. going to ask um lisa my co-founder and buddy's husband because he is a developer by trade, but he's actually kind of a musician and he does have various keyboardy and audio y devices sitting around and I'm very sure that most of them support some way of some form of MIDI. Awesome. Um, that's, that's really appreciated. It's yeah. like I say, I accept it's a totally niche thing. Uh that's that's fine. You know, this is this is how the this app started. I was in that niche. Uh but like I say, it's kind of eight years in the hoping for as i've learned various various things you know eight eight years ago i was not the uh the ios developer that i am now uh so it's been nice to just sort of come back have an idea for how to implement this just go for it and then it's working you know like obviously with bugs and all the rest of it it didn't come out of my mind fully formed 
Uh, <laughs> but um, it's just really, really nice to have something I've hoped for for ages working. That is pretty nice, yeah. So is this something you've been working towards for for a long time? Well, so probably about two and a half years ago when I started the rebuild of, of GoVJ, that is GoVJ2, uh, mm-hmm. as I pulled that rebuild of the video engine that, that powers everything together, I did imagine that I was going to be controlling it at some point by, by MIDI. And so th- there's a whole thing there with, in terms of how it works, the functions I've got to go and make things happen that the UI calls. I've always been assuming, yeah, I'm probably going to be wiring something else up to this at some point. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I've planned for it in, in some ways. And there's other things as well, like um, the video effects that are in the app. I've tended to limit their parameters to no more than four mm-hmm. um, on the basis that I needed some sort of standardization for, for how you would control these things, right? You can't suddenly have uh, out of nowhere an effect that's not controllable because it's got 16 different things and you've only got three or four of them mapped to a controller, for example. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, And a bunch of other bits and bobs as well. Like all of the parameters are standardized in terms of if they've got a value that varies, um, you control that by changing a value that varies from zero to one. Uh, And so I've, I've, I've standardized all of that sort of stuff underneath. And that then means when I wire it up to this sort of stuff, um, it's, it's dead easy. Like I've made sure that the, um, the, the knobs and the uh, slider <laughs> values, when they get changed, um, it's a it's a payload with a value that scales from naught to one, so it's, it maps directly to it. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been planned for, but but sort of only in the last two or three years, actually having dev go that way. It is pretty. It is pretty nice. So when you re- when you reach one of those those milestones that you kind of have been. Um, like it's, it's like you're hiking towards this mountain and then suddenly you're on the, on the, on the summit and you're like, wow, I've been, I've been on this way for a long time. Yes. And it feels kind of great. It really does. It really does. And it's, um, it, it's like I say, just really, really satisfying seeing it all come together, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. not only that, but there is a real shift in, moving from a, a touch-based interface to something that's giving you tactile feedback and how you play with the app. Like it's sort of opening up uh, a fluidity that the touch UI just can't actually reach, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And that that's super cool. I've been able to, I was testing it the other night and uh, my youngest child came through and I'm just like, dude, you know, have a play. And instantly, he's not having to worry about, like, where is this or where is that? It's like, no, turn dial, turn slider, this does that. Uh, so it's, it's, that was that was pretty cool as well. You could sort of see the light bulb go on for him of, like, <laughs> ah, I can wiggle the thing and it does the thing, you know, and that, that makes that control there. Yeah, that's that, yeah. like this this kind of instant feedback is what, like, hardware is really good at. Yeah. Like, as, as opposed to touchscreen controls, I mean. I have a question for you. Go on. Um, I remember last year I was really, really trying to steer the conversation all the time towards <laughs> what is happening in Cupertino. Uh, oh, like, yes. what are we, 
What like what do you hope for? What are you expecting? What do you not expecting? And every time you were like, no, we're not talking about this. We are making a timeless podcast. We are making a timeless podcast that has nothing to do with current events so that yes. people can listen to us at any time. And now what do I see? What do I see in the show notes? Hopes for dub dub. I've changed. Explain Daniel. yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, I've changed. I'm not the man I once was. No. Uh, so just to sort of illuminate that, right. So a year ago, uh, editing took a lot longer for me. Um, right. And things have changed. The way I edit is slightly different. It's a bit easier for me to go, yep, we can do a, a event-based show a little bit better. So that's definitely the difference between uh 2022 dave and 2023 dave for yeah, I, I mean now that you say it we are our turnaround time is way faster it is it is I, I i am less picky about certain things with the quality so apologies if anybody's noticed a change there but i think the show hangs together pretty well and it is far far more gratifying to me to get an episode out in a timely fashion than to take two or three weeks to edit it because I'm just not finding that block of time. So I think it's all come off pretty well. And we've got, um, we've got transcripts now as well, which is really cool. It is but really cool. I'm dodging the subject. You asked me about dub dub. <laughs> I'm getting back to the subject. Let's go to, <laughs> let's go to dub dub less than two weeks away. I think it's what 12 to 11 days away now from, from here. Um, yeah so what do i hope for glasses ar please all of that like i've wanted it for years you mean you mean xr yeah yeah i'm less bothered about the the vr side although i think that's potentially going to be the bigger bit of the story in some ways mm -hmm. uh but yeah i feel i feel really uncomfortable trying to predict what they're actually going to announce i think i think there's more to this than people have realized mm-hmm And more to this than even I've realized or hoped for, and I've been really, really wanting these for years. But I, I, to just expand on that a little bit, there's been the, the, the there's been a rumor recently that they're going to support iPad apps in this display. Yeah, and I, I have I have like opinions about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. But I think if they if they do it. Uh, then I think that story means that uh, we're talking about more like a VR extendable display, mm -hmm. that sort of mode for those sort of apps. Right. But tell me your vibes for that. I'm curious. Um, just about, about that exact thing. Like if they allow any sort of iOS-based apps to run on the, on the device, yeah. I have a pretty large data set that does not include any... Um, oper un like unknown to me operating systems right now, and it does yep. not include any to me unknown devices. Um, mm -hmm. and so that is, of course, not conclusive evidence. Uh, the data set does not include all the apps in the app store. Yeah. And it does not, and, and it, like, they can easily fake those entries. Absolutely. But, yeah. like, um, we've usually seen, um, iOS versions up to a year in advance. Yep. And we've usually seen iPhone models in our data set up to uh, half a year in advance. 
Yeah. So, um, so they usually seem to be not super afraid of um, just telegraphing that information, especially since for a good development process, it's probably important to 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 report to yourself the correct model and like operating system sorry. version and stuff like that. So, um, my gut says maybe that's either not as far along as as possible, or it will just like cheat somehow and give and, and just tell you like hey i'm running on on a on a regular ipad like the app won't even know that it's running on the device yeah it might might uh, happen as well that's a possibility i think we have to remember that um it's likely that whatever they announce is going to be more resource constrained than the ultimate vision i'm thinking about when the watch uh, mm-hmm. was, was was first delivered yeah. and and you know, I mean, the series Nought watches is terrible and 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 slow and nothing like what the watch is now in a lot of ways. And it was still amazing. Yes, but yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've I've got a dead one on my desk that I use as a fidget toy these days. Oh, that's a nice fidget toy. <laughs> I just have a fidget cube for for a few bucks, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this this was kind of dead, and I was just like, I don't want to just get rid of it. It, it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, that all that to say, if we assume it's constrained, but then we also assume that one of Apple's selling points is the integration, right, between mm-hmm. all of its products. And we have things like handoff. We also have things like um, universal control that was announced and, and, and released the other year. And we also have the ability to airplay between Macs now and to, to have... Um, your iPhone or iPad AirPlay to your Mac baked into the the, the OSs. And so I, I wonder if there's actually more of a story there. It's a case of if you've got these glasses, you can then um, either connect to some sort of external compl- display to, to apps that are running on some other thing, um, or there's some sort of expansion that they offer to the UI that is on those apps. Yeah, so I think that's a pretty safe bet too, especially yeah. since other um, VR headsets are already doing the same thing. Like I think Hololens can do that, and I've seen one other thing. I forgot the name. MKBHD had a video about it where he basically had like one laptop, but then three huge virtual screens. Yeah, and I can I can totally see that this is a thing that will happen. It all kind of depends on like how much of a resolution that the headset offers too, because it does. Uh, for example, I have a first generation PlayStation VR, and that thing has an incredibly small resolution, and so yeah. like looking at details is just not not possible. You kind of have to trick your brain into like unfocusing focusing your eyes a little <laughs> bit, um, but. I assume that a, a, a modern device that is allowed to cost a lot of money will probably have a way higher resolution. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would hope so. And like I say, I think there's something in that side of things, though, where like if, if you've got the glasses, they then extend the devices you've already got. That feels very Apple to me, mm-hmm. right? It's like okay, you can buy these glasses and, and, and they're, they're kind of cool on their own. You know, maybe they've got their own local app experience that's a bit pared down like the watch has these days. Uh, maybe that's not needed for first release, but you can imagine maybe. And then if you have another Apple device, a Mac, an iPhone, an iPad, it suddenly becomes this extension 
of what that device yeah. does. And I mean, Apple has been developing a lot of augmented reality, um, like code and, and, and SDKs and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I would, I would kind of assume that this would translate very well if you actually look through the, through the, the glasses into the real world and it's kind of overlays data yeah. on top of that. Um, so yeah, that could, that could work very, very well. There's, but um, I mean, is that all? Like, because is like that two years ago, that would have been like amazing and incredible. But I mean, I feel like other headsets have kind of like shown that this is possible already. And on the other yeah. other hand, Apple is never really the ones who who create or discover the new thing. They just perfect it and polish it so that it's actually nice and good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a repeat of that that pattern right it, it will be whatever they announce it's going to be probably kind of cool with a few quirks with some rough edges here or there that devs are going to hurt themselves on and the reaction will be oh my god apple's released a flop or blah 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 we had all that with the watch you know mm. and then another year or two out from now it's like that's not even a conversation and Apple will be. <laughs> everyone has an Apple Watch. It's yeah. Uh, I mean, not everyone, everyone, but you go, you go out, and just like yeah. every other person on the street has an Apple Watch, seemingly. And the same deal for for AirPods, right? People mm -hmm. absolutely laughed at the shape of them when they first came out, you know. And there, there were all these memes and comedy skits and bits and bobs based around how silly they looked. And now, loads of people have them. You watch a video on youtube and two people are talking and one of them's got airpods in you know like it's they're just normal and i think we'll see the same thing with the glasses in one way or another if apple have kind of aligned things in their in their usual sort of way so i'm stoked i think whatever we get with the glasses is mm -hmm. going to be interesting even if it's like you know on paper it's a flop in one way or another i don't think it matters as long as it's a big enough dent that then, you know, the, by the time we're talking about version two, three, four, uh, it's then becoming the real vision, if you like, for want of a, that's almost a pun. <laughs> it's almost, almost is. Yeah. Uh, that's An not the only thing. Pun. It's not the only thing I hope for with Dub Dub though. Like, yeah. What is, what is the other thing that you're hoping for? Uh, to be honest, the other thing, the biggest thing for me is that I want them to just continue to smooth all of these edges on Swift UI. That, oh, that okay. People, yeah, right. So, I'm thinking specifically. I know that Swift UI for iOS and Swift UI for Mac OS. If you're not doing a Catalyst, I believe a Catalyst-based app, um, and actually are using Swift UI on top of AppKit. I know mm -hmm. that that story and journey for devs kind of sucks compared to the iOS one. <laughs> it does. As someone yeah. who has who had a Mac app for a long while, and that was written in SwiftUI, yeah, that is uh, way more painful because you you hit that wall where you can't really go on easily. You hit that way er way earlier. Yeah, and so that's that's the biggest deal for me. Like no specific um, API or anything like that, other than. Swift UI, please make it work better for you know native Mac apps, as it were, mm -hmm. and uh, please continue to 
smooth off some of the the rough edges here and there and we got navigation stack last year which has been really really useful but i think there's still a whole bunch of other things in other areas that could really use that sort of love and i'm not convinced that navigation stack is all we can do for for navigation in swift mm-hmm. ui apps either so uh yeah that that's that's the hope for me is that we get yeah. a bunch of new toys in swift ui Oh, you know what I'm hoping for? It's very unlikely. It is very, very unlikely. But um, the ever since like the end of last year, we've seen what uh, large language models can do, right? Like AI, chat yes. GPT, basically. Yeah. And a thing that I've been working on for a while now is: can I make um, can I make an, a system where people put a put in a query in natural language, like a database query, or just like a, like a request of some sort that they have to the system. And the system will then translate that to some sort of computer code, like database query or mm-hmm. a list of HomeKit commands and stuff like that. And it turns out even I, as a single person working on this, can get this pretty far in a first prototype. And mm-hmm. it will get better. <clears throat> it will get better, excuse me. And it will, um, like if more people work on this, or if you actually start, like stop just give, taking chat GPT or any of the other lang- large language models and yeah. just give them a, a, a more and more elaborate prompt. But if you then instead take one of the open source language, large language models and then just train a few more like rounds of training on top of that. So it will even know even better, like what you actually want from it. Yeah. Um, that can do a lot of things, you know? And so, um, yeah. even though, I would kind of Sherlock myself with that feature, maybe. <laughs> I would really hope, and I'm actually hoping against hope, that uh, Apple has something in their up their sleeves where they say we're replacing Siri front end, like yep. the part that actually translates the the text that you give it into actual what it's doing, with something that is way more flexible flexible because it's based on some sort of large language model based yep. AI. I'd like that. Um, you can, like, <clears throat> you can you can w- give give this way more. You can give a generative AI. You can give it multiple commands in one sentence, just like do this and this and this. You can uh, have it recognize certain like simple um, um, correlations. Like for example, if I if I tell tell you, hey, uh, my kid needs to go to sleep at ten. Uh, turn off, turn off their light. Then, then, like it will recognize that. I don't know yeah. what is my fictional kid's name. Maria, <laughs> Maria's room is the one. It should turn on the lights, but not now. But at ten p.m. Um, yeah. and and there's like, and especially like if if you give this this AI like some kind of context, like in my case, like here are the list of um database entries or like database keys that I have, or in that fictitious home code example that i just made up like here are the homes in this room i think yeah. it can do a lot a lot yes. and i would really love to see it i am hearing very negative things from the siri team and mm-hmm. they have a new um head of ai recently okay. um but I, th- I i think he's been there not long enough to really make a dent like really move the needle and he's yeah. been saying various rather pessimistic things 
Okay. Um, recently, we've already also been hearing that right now, whenever they want to change something, because the Siri database is basically just a huge list of trigger phrases. And yep. so when they change, when they want to change something, they just have to edit this database, which is very large. And apparently it takes ages and ages to recompile and hmm. reintegrate. And so they're not doing that very often. Yeah. And I would really like to, to see something on that, um, on that front. Right now, so it doesn't I'm, seem that way, uh, but oh, it would be really cool. It really would, and and yeah, Siri is kind of useless to me at times because of the the lack that it has there to interpret mm -hmm. what I'm asking it to do. Um, that that it's not quite low hanging fruit because of all the work they'll have to do to update things with Siri, but it feels like it's within reach. I think right. if if not this year, then over the next couple of years, it feels my, like that. Could happen. My fear is that Apple doesn't want to delve too deep into this because mm -hmm. it's kind of non-deterministic. Like yep. you can kind of fool an AI, like the, all this, all those transcripts where people uh, make chat GPT say things it's not supposed to say. <laughs> like, like yep. this is fun and it's cool. Like, uh, and you can you can never really prevent that i think well, no never say never say never but you know what i mean um, i do yeah so so i think that or like my vague theory is that maybe apple is afraid of that too because they really really want to control things they want to have they do. an ex an a, a perfect grasp of what the experience is what it feels like and and just be very deterministic and that is this is very much non-deterministic yeah, it, it's so, a potential can of worms for them in that, that it respect. Is, it is. Like, so get someone gets Siri to say something racist or mm -hmm. something sexual or whatever. Yeah. Like, this is just, um, like fodder for the, for the social medias. It really is. Uh, but I can, I think there's going to be some sort of AI story. I think it would be sort of remiss of Apple if there wasn't something there. But I think it will be building very much on sort of things we've seen in previous years. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we've had updates about, I think it was how you can integrate different models um, and, and build models and, and uh, supply them with the data that they need mm -hmm. and, and to, you know, use your Mac to go and do that in quite an efficient way. Right. What what I reckon we might see is, is some sort of story around um, being able to scale down a large model so that you can take specific bits of it and then execute it really fast on the, the bionic chips in the phones. I think right. we might, might see something along those lines where there's like a, you know, you can import your big model here, you can target for X, Y, or Z or whatever, and then hit, hit whatever compilation button and you end up with a, a slice, a version that is optimized in one way or another to work on Apple's chips. I oh. can see that there being something like that, uh, because again, that's very Apple-y, right? It's like the, the the story in there is that if you do this, you get the benefits of this for your app to one degree or another, uh, but then it's executing locally on the user's device, right? In a way that right. only Apple can do because it's their device, their hardware. Because um, it's only Apple that yes. can do that. Exactly. Uh, Good morning. <laughs> yes. Um, right, we shall see. 
I we think, shall see. Are we recording again before DubDub? I think not, maybe. I think not. So the um, next show should be the post-DubDub show. So it's going to be our reactions. Yeah. I am, I am super excited. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I actually re- registered for, um, for one of the watch along parties. Um, yep. I'm going to, I forgot which it was. I'm going to post it, post it somewhere. Um, and yeah, it's going to be fun. Like just as distributed as the last few years, and that's pretty cool actually because I don't want to go to California right now. Same. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be super awesome. It's gonna be again like a way for the community to come together, and I cannot wait. I'm really, I'm really stoked for it. All right. Awesome. I think that's a good end to the show. Yes. Um, Any last thoughts? Final thoughts? I just want to hear the words. One more thing. (laughs) like you will be able to hear me from new zealand to germany if they gasp yes (laughs) um i would like that but on that note i have no more one more things for this show so Mm -hmm. daniel where can people find you online Oh yeah, people can find me. They should go to telemetrydeck.com if they want to check out uh, analytics for their apps. And other than that, they should really go to daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com uh, for me on the Mastodon. Also, they can go to telemetryduck.com if they want to see a nice cartoon duck. Quack, quack. What about you? Me? Uh, you can find... Well, I better just link go VJ's link, I reckon, for for where you can find more out. So that is just govjapp.com. And then on the socials, yep, you can catch me on the Fediverse on Mastodon at David Gary Wood at social.davidgarrywood.com. I'm also on Blue Sky, but somehow I don't get a lot of interaction there. Same. So follow me on Mastodon, I guess. All right, Dave, uh, have a wonderful day and see you soon. See you later, Daniel. Bye.